We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to an emergency edition of the Roadwire NBA podcast. It's Wednesday. It is January 13th. Uh, roughly an hour and a half ago, uh, James Harden was traded from the Houston Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets. Karis LeVert has somehow ended up in Indiana. Victor Oladipo is now a Rocket. Jared Allen has been exiled to the Cavaliers. Uh, and here to break it all down uh, are not only Alex Barutha, but also James Anderson. We've reunited the big three um, for this special occasion. Guys, appreciate you guys being able to hop on. Uh, on such short notice. Yeah, bringing back the big three for a new big three, uh, I guess, in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, happy to be happy to be on with you guys again. Um, so, I mean, like I just said to you about 15 seconds ago off air, I have no agenda for this pod at all. I don't have any specific questions for you. I just want to kind of gauge your your reaction to this deal, which is still kind of fresh because, you know, for a while there we kept uh, you know, every five minutes we'd get a new detail from Shams or Woj 
Um, you know, the, like I said, the Victor Oladipo inclusion, technically not a part of the original deal, uh, which just includes Houston, Cleveland, uh, and the Nets. But but like I said, Houston uh, then turns around and flips Karis LeVert essentially straight up for Victor Oladipo. You know, my first thought before we even get to the Nets portion of this, because we've, we've had a lot of time to think about James Harden being on the Nets. It, it seemed for a while like it was going to be Nets or Sixers. Um, and that kind of coalesced even more in the last 24 hours. But I, I weirdly think the Rockets come out of this looking pretty good, not only getting four future first round picks, three of them from Brooklyn. One of them uh, is courtesy of Milwaukee. I believe they get that from Cleveland technically, but uh, the Milwaukee pick is uh, unprotected. Obviously that should, should be a pretty decent pick in 2022. The Nets picks, which fall in 22, 24, 26, all of those are unprotected. They also get four pick swaps from Brooklyn in, in the odd numbered years, starting in 2021. Those, of course, are unprotected as well. So you get a massive cachet of draft picks. Uh, you essentially end up getting Victor Oladipo in the deal. Dante Exum, Rowdy Ants those are just kind of throw-ins. But I, you know, based on especially what we'd seen from the Rockets over their last couple of games, I, I think they come out of this looking pretty good. And and considering what Harden was giving them, or you know, the current version of Harden, which was very little, I, I think they're in better shape now than they were two hours ago. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they crushed it. I think that especially when you consider the lack of a market i mean there were only like two teams that were publicly kind of uh going after harden so the fact that you get that many uh, unprotected picks and i mean this is a, a perfect like i mean the brooklyn nets are a perfect team to you know have their unprotected picks uh you know three four or five years down the, the road because their whole nucleus, I mean, Harden and, and Durant are, you know, probably still technically in their peaks, but they'll probably be out of their peaks in, in a couple of years and they might be off the roster in, in a couple of years. And I mean, Kyrie Irving is, is still got a, a decent amount of his prime left, but he could be off the roster as well. I don't think he plans on sticking around once the other two guys go. So uh, as soon as those guys are either over the hill or off the roster, that Nets team could be one of the worst teams in the league and you get their unprotected picks. And uh, just the lack of the market out there uh, for Harden, I mean, you weren't getting Michael Porter for him. Uh, I mean, I think you, you could have gotten Ben Simmons for him, but I think the Rockets are so far away from competing that just getting building around Ben Simmons while you still have John Wall on the roster didn't make a ton of sense to me anyway. So. Uh, I mean, I think the the Rockets did about as good as they could do, especially uh, when I, I woke up this morning and a friend sent me a video of Harden warming up with what looked like a fat suit on underneath his his shooting shirt. I mean, I think to to turn around and and get this many unprotected picks for him, uh, I think that that was just a, a heck of a move by by Houston. Yeah, I mean, that was the part of the like the Philly potential trade that always like. I got caught up with because Simmons and John Wall don't fit together at all. They're, they're, they'd be one of the worst backcourt fits in the NBA or just one of the worst one, two fits in the NBA. And I think that the Rockets are able, they got someone in Victor Oladipo who fits with John Wall because he's a three point shooter and a good defender. And they're still going to be, I think competitive right in the West. They haven't been playing great so far, but that's, I think partially due to the team situation. So they still feel a competitive team with Wall, Oladipo, and Christian Wood and have room for the future. It'll be kind of be interesting to see what they do with 
Oladipo's contract because, you know, they're going to have to extend him. But if things, you know, if he can get back to his, his old self, it'll look like a great deal for Houston. Yeah, and I think if you even just look at at Houston in the short term, I mean, John Wall, Oladipo, uh, a, a decent you know rotation at small forward, whether it's Daniel House, Eric Gordon, uh, they still have P.J. Tucker. We'll see how long he sticks around. Uh, and then Christian Wood and DeMarcus Cousins, like this is not a team that's necessarily going to have to, you know, bottom out and completely rebuild, you know, like other teams that have given away uh, a superstar and and just kind of tried to embrace the picks and and, and kind of make that the, the M.O. of the franchise. Like they can kind of do both. And I, I think there's a decent chance of, of combustibility with the Nets. You know, I, I think you can only bottom out so much when you have Durant, Kyrie, and, and James Harden all on one roster. But, I mean, the rest of the team is completely gutted. And, and if anything happens to, to Durant or Harden, not even this season, but you know, over the next two, three, four years, however long they're there, um, obviously you have a, a ton of value coming your way if, if you're Houston with the draft picks. Let, let's look at the Brooklyn portion of this now so you give up Karis LeVert Jared Allen Torian Prince and and Kurooks. uh obviously Spencer Dinwiddie uh, already out for the year with the torn ACL you still have Joe Harris uh, who's, who's a great fit you know I, I think as just kind of a spot-up guy one of the elite spot-up shooters in the league but now you have to go back to the aging center who you benched eight days ago in favor of Jared Allen who you just traded to Cleveland this again this is usually the case when you try to stack three of the top 15 to 20 players in the league. You, you can't just have a, a full roster elsewhere. But, I mean, this team is pretty much completely cleaned out outside of Joe Harris now. Yeah, I mean, they, they traded their best defensive player in Jared Allen. And, uh, I mean, they, this, is, this could be the best offense and, like, a bottom five defense when everyone's healthy, which, I mean, I can't remember – when we last saw that, I mean, I, I know people used to think of like the D'Antoni, Steve Nash, Phoenix Suns that way, but that was before people were adjusting for pace. I mean, those defenses actually weren't like bottom of the league level bad. It just kind of seemed that way because of how fast they were playing. Uh, this this defense could be bottom of the league level bad. Like Kevin Durant, it basically needs to be trying or or Bruce Brown needs to be on the court for them to have even uh, like an average defender. I mean, maybe you could argue Joe Harris is like an average team defender, but uh, I mean, it, it's probably going to be the worst defense among the playoff teams in the Eastern conference, uh, but it could be the best offense. And obviously that's what they're banking on. I'm just fascinated to see how it plays out. I mean, I think they're going to give it a run here for a couple of years and you got to hope that you get a title over these next two years, because I, I don't think this, this big three, like even if you just fast forward three years from now, I don't think this big three could con- contend for a title. So I think they need to cash it in here uh, this year or next year. It's kind of like the the Clippers situation. Um, and I just, I mean, thinking back, like I, I can't imagine, like wh- when was the last time a team won the the finals with a bottom like ten defense, let alone a bottom five defense? I, I just think it's going to be fascinating to see how that all unfolds. Yeah, I would imagine they would try to get someone else like to at least be a normal backup center. I think they still have like a mid-level exception maybe to use, or I don't know, maybe they'll stay active in the trade market because you're right. Like their defense just isn't going to be that good. I I don't really know how to compare them to like other, you know, you look at other teams in the league right now that are top, you know, five or six uh, in defense, that there are only two other teams. There are only two teams in the league in both top six in offense and defense, and it's the Lakers and Atlanta. So I'm not really sure what to make of that either. <laughs> um, 
Uh, so kind of a weird year so far, obviously. But And I, I don't know how they'll fit. Like, we put a reaction piece on the site, and I had, I had the Nets. And I was kind of wondering, like, Whenever we have a big three, it ends up being someone has to be the Chris Bosch, right? To some extent, like someone has to take or usually ends up taking the lower usage. And even though Hargan's joining the team, I really feel like he's not going to be the one to do that. Um, and I don't think you have someone like Durant's the next, you know, most talented offensive player on the team, probably the most talented player on the team overall. And I feel like it's just going to end up being Kyrie Irving, maybe who takes a backseat. And again, like he left. Cleveland because he didn't want to take a backseat to LeBron. I'm just really interested to see what they do offensively. Hey, NBA fans, Owner's Box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season. Owner's Box is not DFS. They're the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform to combine the best elements of daily and season-long fantasy. Owner's Box is a head-to-head elimination-style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts, and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. On Owner's Box, users can brand themselves and engage socially on the platform in multiple different ways, add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. To tip off the NBA season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. Think you got what it takes to be a weekly fantasy GM? Visit ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and make a name for yourself today. I thought it was great in Woj's little write-up on ESPN.com which typically is just like him linking his own tweets. There's not a lot of substance there, but this one, uh, you know, it read something along the lines of, you know, Harden now teams up with fellow all NBA player, Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. And then the next sentence was the Nets also have Kyrie Irving on the roster. Like there's so much uncertainty around Kyrie at this point that it almost feels like that's just kind of a footnote in all this, like LeBron and or LeBron Durant and Harden alone, you know, that, that pairing together is probably enough to, to get you close to the Eastern Conference Finals, if not all the way to the finals. Uh, I mean, I almost feel like at this point, like the Kyrie part of it is somewhat irrelevant. You know, it's like he, whatever you get from Kyrie at this point is is a bonus. It'd be a major bonus if he comes back next week and plays the rest of the season and stays healthy. That that obviously raises your ceiling, but it almost feels like the Nets made this move independent of the whole situation that's going on with Kyrie. I feel like if yeah. you're not really sure about Kyrie's availability, because of a personal issues and B because he's hurt every single season that you want, you want another top end talent, right? Like you don't want just Durant to be out there with like Karis Levert and Jared Allen in the playoffs. I think you at least have to have, you know, if you're not sure if you're going to have Kyrie, then you at least have Harden and Durant, even if it's at the, you know, the cost of depth. Well, you, you always hear people saying like, the, the whole point of having a big three instead of a big two is that so if you're, for whatever reason, you're without one of your big three guys come playoff time, someone gets hurt, you still have the, those other two guys. But to me, they just, for the defensive reasons I, I outlined earlier, I don't think they have a chance of winning the finals with just two of these guys because like they, they need to have an otherworldly offense to, to, 
uh, win the finals. And I mean, I think they could be a, a top, you know, seven or eight offense if they're without one of these guys. But, um, you know, I mean, like Landry Shamit just hasn't been the guy that he was as a rookie. Like, it, it really is like Joe Harris is kind of your only other um, sort of like league average starter uh, on this team. I mean, DeAndre Jordan's probably the worst, one of the worst starting centers, if not the worst starting center on a playoff team. Um, like they, being without Kyrie Irving, hypothetically, or, or whoever, like if they're without one of these guys, I just don't think it's going to be enough. So like you have to sort of assume that they're going to have all three. And then, yeah, I don't think any of these three is going to be able to suck up, suck it up and be the third option. So, I mean, it, it, I think it's just going to be kind of your turn, my turn, his turn. Um, I mean, like Kevin Durant can cut without the ball. Kyrie Irving like has shown um, more effort, I think, this season than we've seen from him in a long time. But, I mean, James Harden's just never really done anything without the ball in his hands. So I assume he would just be kind of sitting in the corner when he doesn't have the ball. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be fascinating. I mean, the the Steve Nash, like the style of play that he likes is just movement based. Like everyone's moving, everyone's passing, everyone's cutting. Um, that's not, that's like the opposite of James Harden's style. So I just, I'm really uh, interested to see how this team looks. I mean, they're, they're going to look, I think it's going to kind of look like a mess at times early on, but like 20 games from now, 30 games from now, I'm really going to be fascinated to see how that offense looks. The Rotowire NBA podcast is brought to you by BetMGM. Sports bettors know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise. That is why BetMGM has teamed up with Rotowire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six month Rotowire subscription when you placed your first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website and use promo code ROTO, that's ROTO, R O T O, to claim your free subscription. Once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of Rotowire's unmatched sports insights. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada and 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. How do you actually see this playing out in terms of the Nets' long-term future this season? You know, if, if you look at like their title odds, you know, dramatically uh, dropped, I guess. Is that the right word? You know, became greater uh, right after the trade. Um, they went from, I think, William Hill, they went from plus 550 to plus 325. Like, I, I understand, obviously, your, your ceiling is raised when you're adding James Harden. But, you know, come come June, like, do, do you do you really see this making the Nets a, a better team? Like, let's assume Kyrie Irving comes back. No, regardless, you know, James Harden trade or not, Kyrie Irving is back with the Nets next season. So it's either, you know, the, the previous version of the Nets with Kyrie or the Durant-Harden version of the Nets with Kyrie. How much different, if at all, do you feel about the Nets' chances to win the title? 
I mean, I think this I think this trade made them better. Um, I I mean, you put I again I like I I I do think the defense is a concern, but you put just the, the amount of offensive talent on the court. I don't know, like if you're the opposing team, how what is your plan to stop? What is your plan to stop the Nets? Like if you're the Bucks and it's the conference finals, I guess you put Giannis on Durant, but I'm going to assume Durant gets the better, you know, better part of that matchup. And then it's like, you know, I, you throw Drew Holiday on one of, you know, Harden or Kyrie, but then it's just like, you got to put DiVincenzo or Middleton on the other one. It's just like, you have no, you never feel like you're winning any matchup. I feel like if you're the other team um, and you, you just really have to try to exploit them, you know, while you're on offense. But I, I just don't know how you guard this team, honestly. Like, if they, if they can get the chemistry right. I just, I think it's such a two, it's such a double-edged sword, though. Like, I don't think this Nets team could stop the Bucks' offense at all. I mean, the Bucks, off, the Bucks have the best offense in the league. Like, nobody on this team can check Giannis. Um, they don't have the team defenders to kind of do what, like, Miami did last year. Um, I mean, they don't even have anyone that could check Chris Middleton on this team. Like, I, I really think, like, the very best teams, the teams like the Bucks, the teams like the Lakers and the Clippers, are going to be able to outscore this team because they, this this Nets team, like, in the playoffs, like, I, I know everyone just loves offense, but in the playoffs, defense wins. It still wins. And, like, all the best teams are going to be able to outscore this team, I, I fear, just because I, I just don't see any sort of um, – team defense in place here that's going to be able to slow down a team like the Lakers or the Bucks gets injured or, you know, does something like this at the wrong time, as opposed to the third week of the season. I, I think having just Durant and Harden, given how deep some of the other teams are at the top, you know, the Lakers, especially, I, I don't think that would be enough, but if you have those three guys, you know, at full strength, full health going into a final series, I, I, I think that's like, I mean, would you say they're like 50, 50 in a series against the Lakers or would you still favor the Lakers? I would favor the Lakers. I mean, like they have to immediately double team Anthony Davis every time he gets the ball and LeBron would pick them apart. Like I I just, I don't see any way that they could stop Mm -hmm. the Lakers on offense. And I think the Lakers actually have the personnel to do about as good a job as they could do on this team defensively. I think the Clippers would even give them trouble. Like the problem, the problem with Harden and Kyrie is you have two, you know, very subpar defenders as part of your big three. Whereas the Clippers and, you, and Lakers don't have that. And you have two guys like late in the game, like, like LeBron or Kawhi or Paul George, you're just going to hunt Harden and Kyrie and pick and rolls nonstop. And they're not mm-hmm. going to be able to do anything about it. Cause they can't take those guys off the court. Right. So you mentioned Philadelphia, uh, at, you know, at, at the top as the other team that was, that was kind of down to the wire on this. I'm personally, I'm shocked that Daryl Morey was able to resist pulling the trigger um, and who knows, maybe, maybe at the end of the day, Houston preferred this Brooklyn package, uh, more than what Philly was putting on the table. But uh, one, are, are you surprised that, you know, Houston went with a more picks oriented, um, you know, kind of multiplayer package as opposed to targeting the, the better individual player in Ben Simmons. Uh, and then two, do you think Harden's just general disposition over these last four or five weeks scared off any of the the dark horse teams that we thought you know maybe would sneak into this at the last minute i'm not i'm not super surprised that the the rockets went for you know like a a very good player you know someone who's basically an all-star in in victor oladipo who's in their prime you know because they have john wall like when you're stuck with that john wall contract and you might you i mean given how well he's playing you may not be like actually stuck with it 
like people thought they might be. But when you have someone like John Wall in their prime on a huge contract, you figure you may as well just lean into that, right? Um, and, and I think just getting someone that fits with him that's on a similar timetable while also getting picks, you might be able to shoot the gap, like we've mentioned, between a rebuild and competing now. I I also think the the media's obsession with this, like Daryl Morey wants James Harden, like I think that was super overblown. Like Daryl Morey, like he lies all the time, like straight to your face, like in order to kind of pump up his own team or to kind of run, you know, media interference on like what he's actually trying to do. Like, yes, he he definitely thought like James Harden deserved like more MVPs than he won, and and he I'm sure he believes he's the his peak James Harden might've been the best offensive player of all time in Daryl Morey's mind. But he also understands that like you're getting, you're signing up for a declining player, a player who you'd have to completely rework your offensive system around. Um, I think he was interested to a point, but I think you saw that rumored package that, that Houston was off or was uh, asking for. Like it wasn't just Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey. Like they also wanted some unprotected Philly picks. Um, I just don't think they were they wanted him to that extent. So I, I, I'm not surprised that the Sixers didn't meet that price. And uh, for the reasons Alex and I touched on, like, yeah, I mean, I think this this Rockets team, it's going to be a, a competent roster. I don't think they're a playoff team, even with the you know the, the play in tournament. And I think you do have to kind of look four or five years down the road if you're Houston here. Like getting Ben Simmons, like what does that get you? That that maybe gets you into the playoffs every now and then in the West, but really their their next window to compete is five six years down the road here. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at the some of the minor implications of this deal. Uh, we'll start with the Pacers, who I, I'm looking at Kevin Pelton's trade grade article. Uh, the Pacers get a B plus for this deal. And, and one thing I didn't realize until just now is by swapping Oladipo for Levert, they dodged the luxury tax this season. Uh, and obviously you, you have Levert, a player who's you know under contract for, I think, around 18 mil um, uh, on a three-year extension. I, I think this was a signal that, one, they didn't feel good about the future with Victor Oladipo as far as him becoming a free agent and, and what that contract was going to be. Um, so you, you know, you're essentially able to uh, avoid the situation where Oladipo walks away you know, you're not paying him that money and you can't reallocate it. You know, you're able to flip him instead for Levert now. I, I think in the short term, you know, Indiana had been one of the the more surprising teams um, in terms of having kind of a weird, turbulent-ish offseason and then, you know, kind of at the last second bringing back entirely the same roster. It now raises questions like how happy was Oladipo there? Who actually knows? But I, I think this is maybe a slight downgrade based on how well Oladipo had been playing and the continuity that he has with a lot of those guys, a slight downgrade in the short term, but it's pretty slight. And, and I think long-term uh, this is a really good move for a team that, you know, historically can't really rely on just going out to free agency and, and plucking a star. Yeah. I mean, that, that I, I totally agree. I mean, you get Levert under team control. Um, this, I mean, this is a team that, I mean, they could win a first round series. I mean, I, I think you now have kind of a clear hierarchy of Malcolm Brogdon is is the lead ball handler, but you also have a guy that that can replace Oladipo as a guy that can get his own shot and Levert. And um, I mean, they're probably going to need Warren to come back and be the player he was towards the end of last season to really make a run at things. But 
Uh, I thought it was a, a really shrewd move to get in there. I mean, they obviously decided that they didn't want to pay. Like, they know what Victor Oladipo wants in free agency, and they weren't going to pay it, obviously. I think that that's what that tells them. Yeah, I think so. And Levert, you know, you have concerns about his like his injuries. And he's not as good of a defender as Oladipo. And he's probably not even, I mean, he's only two years younger than Oladipo. It's not like you're getting some like 23-year-old prospect, which I think is still how some people view Levert to some extent. But again, when you're talking about dodging the luxury tax and getting someone who, you know, gives you a, I mean, close to comparable ceiling over the next couple of years, um, I think it was a good move overall. I don't know what better player or better asset they were going to get mm-hmm. really for Oladipo. Yeah, and I, I mean, I would say over the next, if you're if you're talking next three or four years, I, I think Levert's ceiling, you could argue, is higher than Oladipo's. It, yeah, I mean, I, I, go ahead, Alex. I was just saying, it depends how much you you know value, I think, defense to some extent, because we, all, we already know that Oladipo is a, a top-tier defender, um, but... Uh, Oladipo's offensive game is a lot more like fleshed out. Like he can completely run a second unit because he, he has before. Mm-hmm. I, I think Levert's a, a little overrated at this point. Um, like he, he, it looks really good when he's cooking and he can definitely get his own shot. Um, and for a guy that size, I mean, that that's a pretty rare skill set. but he's really never been that efficient. Like, you know, true shooting percentages are usually in the low 50s with him. So, I mean, I think he's a good player. I think he's on a a reasonable contract, but I mean, I think he will be kind of in the proper sort of pecking order here where, I mean, I still think they have three players on this team that are better than him and possibly four when, when Warren's going right. So, um, I mean, I think, I think it's a good fit, but I think, I don't think Levert's ever going to be the player that peaked Victor Oladipo. No, I think that's fair. I feel like Levert, Levert would have been a, a much higher valued player in like 2004. Yeah. He's, he's a little, he's a little late for his, for his efficiency. Um, so the Cavaliers basically just steal Jared Allen, um, you know, out of, out of Nets desperation. You know, obviously they need to, to shed cap in this deal and, and they get Jared Allen for what will essentially be wherever the Bucks are picking in round one. So probably like the 28th pick um, in, in the 2021 draft, which I mean, in my opinion, based based on how Allen has been playing, uh, is is a pretty huge steal. Um, you know, obviously he's a guy that that has been in the league for a couple of years now, and and you have to start looking at, uh, you know, what what you're what you're talking in terms of uh, retaining him long term. But you know, for the Cavs, I feel like you're just in asset acquisition mode, and it doesn't necessarily matter that you already have 17 centers already on your roster. I mean, you're you're having to play Javale McGee at power forward at times. That's how how imbalanced this roster is. But I mean, this guy Jared Allen had like like we said at the top had just taken over the starting job for a pretty good Nets team, and it was essentially averaging a double double on the season. I mean, I don't I don't know you know where this really puts him long term, but I think if you're if you're Cleveland, this probably prompts you to to maybe ramp up trade talks with Andre Drummond uh, at some point before the deadline. It definitely does. I mean, you you want to get rid of Drummond as fast as possible at this point, I think. And I, you know, he has some value, at least. I don't think they're going to get a ton for Drummond, um, you know, considering what the, 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 the Cavaliers barely had to give anything up for Andre Drummond. So, you know, I, but I think just getting rid of him and clearing out minutes for Allen is, is really important because now with Allen and how well Sexton and Garland were playing before they got hurt, you know, that's a... Cleveland's 
at least got an interesting young core going. And, you know, if they can find a way to, to get rid of Kevin Love for at least something, but he's still got two more years on his deal after, after this year. So that's, that's going to be, that's a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, this is a really nice move by the Cavs. Um, I mean, now they have, you know, you're, you're kind of looking at next year already with them, but they have Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Allen. I mean, that's four of your five starting spots sort of accounted for with, with young players that at least have a chance. And, uh, Maybe uh, maybe you go call in uh, Tommy Shepard and see if uh, he he thinks Andre Drummond could be the Thomas Bryant replacement. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think of like of dumb teams that are trying to win um, when they should probably be trying to lose, and and Washington just came to mind. You you are down on Tommy Shepard today. It's like that <laughs> that Russell Westbrook trade was terrible at the time, and it just keeps looking worse and worse. And they should have traded Bradley Beal like 18 months ago. Like, I mean, I know that a lot of this is, is the owner and not Tommy Shepard, but I just think it's it's kind of hilarious. Um, I mean, at least at least Denny Abdia looks like a, a decent enough pick. But um, like that, I just I think it's so funny how that how John Wall is already clearly better than Russell Westbrook and they gave him first yeah. to get him. So where do you guys stand on this Nets team, like from a fan perspective? None of us are Nets fans, but we, we are NBA fans. Like this is an extremely unlikable grouping of talent and I, I've kind of come around on KD I feel like most people have but like Kyrie's stock in terms of uh you know people who watch basketball is probably at an all-time low in terms of likability Harden is the same way like is anybody going to be rooting for this Nets thing to succeed <laughs> no I don't think so <laughs> seriously I, I I don't think so either I've I've been chatting with my one of my good buddies from college is a Nets fan and he's just like, this is awful. Like, I have I have no interest in this at all. Like, he he did not. And I, I think that's almost what a lot of teams felt about Harden. You know, we we separately, you and I had both talked um, on, on, on podcasts over the last couple of weeks about how crazy it is that there wasn't a bigger market for James Harden because he's James Harden. And I, I think he had just I don't I don't know if he like doesn't realize the like the PR hit that he's done to himself over the last few weeks or, or whatever it is. I, I'm sure he doesn't care what the fans think, but then to have both John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins come out last night and, and essentially call him out for, for being just a dick for lack of a better term. Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think this trade and, and these nets are going to get a ton of support either from fans or from like other players around the league. Well, go back to, go back to like the opening night when they blew out the Warriors and you still had a healthy Spencer Dinwiddie. If I were a Nets fan, then I would have just been feeling on top of the world. Like this might be the best team in the East. Um, like we were so deep, like our, our two superstars look amazing. Like we might go win the finals this year and like all the pieces seem to fit. Uh, we can match up with like, you know, we just have all these different plug and play pieces. Like if someone goes down uh, and then Spencer Dinwiddie gets hurt and they make this move, and now all of a sudden it's just, it's an, ex, it goes from a really deep roster to an extremely top heavy roster. And you're going to be seeing a ton of Deandre Jordan. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's just, uh, it's going to be fun to watch, like with no sort of vested interest uh, just to sort of see, like, I mean, everyone, you know, slows down when they go by a car accident on the freeway, but um I mean, I think, yeah, everyone is going to be rooting against them uh, come the playoffs. And uh, for the reasons I 
I mentioned earlier, I, I don't think they're going to make the finals with this roster, and then we'll have a very interesting offseason. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, yeah, like James is saying, I'll watch this team because it's like it's really fascinating, right? But I don't really particularly like. I don't like any of these players, really. Like, I I never really, you know, I never really watched like Kyrie for Kyrie. I never really watched Durant to watch Durant. Like, I wasn't turning on games just to watch those guys, really. Um, we know, you know, we know who they are, um, at this point. And I just, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're more fascinating as like a, I think a story than they are of like a team to root for. I, I will say, I feel like the league kind of needed this because I, things have been yeah. so negative, right? Like I, nobody's I talked about Adam Silver. Adam Silver definitely was pumping his fist when this went down because now like, we were having like major NBA podcasts. We're just talking about like to disease experts about like COVID-19. And now like you're going to get a week's worth of, of net stuff. Right. Exactly. That's, that's exactly the point I was going to make. I mean, I, I think you know, Alex and I talked less than 24 hours ago about whether or not the season will be canceled or if there will be a, a three week break for everything to be figured out. And I mean, there are three games on Wednesday night slate that will not be played tonight due to covid and nobody has mentioned that whatsoever since since the Harden news broke. So in some ways, it, it now it almost feels more like a normal NBA season because we hadn't really had this kind of drama yet. And like the last few seasons have been so drama filled, like everything was, you know, coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. And now now it, it just like I said, it just feels more natural. And I, I don't I don't think a ton of people will be rooting for the Nets. But but you said it, Alex, like this is a, a super interesting story, if nothing else, because I, I think a lot of people will be rooting against them. And I would say they're probably the most hated team already since LeBron's heat. I feel like not that many people actually like hated, hated the Warriors because everyone, I guess, except for Durant was, was so likable on that team. I don't think you can say that about the Nets. Which, which, uh, so I, I already said, I, like, I think the Bucks would beat them in a playoff series. Um, would you guys pick a healthy Nets team to get to the finals? Like I, I could even make a case for, like the Sixers or the Heat against them in a playoff series. Um, but where, where do you guys sort of stand on if this team is healthy, are they are they getting to the finals? Could they beat the Magic in a playoff series? <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, no, I Alex, think, Alex, you go ahead. I'm, I'm interested to hear your answer. I, I think they can, you know, go toe-to-toe with the Bucs, right? At the Bucks defense, like we mentioned before, is, I mean, it's not playing well right now necessarily, though the Bucs haven't really had a ton of competition, so I don't know how, you know, uh, amped up they've been I think the Drew Holiday addition for the Bucks has is huge and maybe has actually gone like undercover as far as how much of an upgrade it is over Bledsoe like a lot of people have brushed that off as like well yeah he's definitely better than Bledsoe without really acknowledging that Bledsoe was essentially unplayable and a complete negative in the playoffs um, so I think that's that really helps the Bucks and um, but again I still don't it, it's really hard for me to like trust Milwaukee, who I think would, you know, would be the other team in the conference finals when it, it was tough to t- trust them against the Miami Heat last year. But, um, but here, here's the thing, though, like the, the thing that beats the Bucks is a really smart defense and a really smart coach. And like if you can't stop, like if, if the whole point, like the reason why the Bucks have underperformed these last two playoffs is because of their half court offense. But they're not going to have any trouble scoring in the half court against this team. Probably not. I, I think you have to wonder how 
you know, how much of like how much can you scheme the Bucks with personnel that's not Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo? Like, can you scheme against Giannis with Durant and like Jeff Green uh, and just form that wall and just hack him anytime he gets close to the basket and assume he's going to make only half his free throws and try to bait him into charges and stuff like that? I, I don't have a t- like I don't I wouldn't have a ton of confidence betting in that series. Um, I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I will say that this this big three compared to you know say the Warriors or or the Heat um, or even even the Cavs you know because the East was so bad at the time but it doesn't it doesn't quite feel inevitable maybe as inevitable as it should where you know we're we're talking about you know do they even make the finals those other teams were talked about as an absolute you know it was like can anybody regardless of conference dethrone this team you know when they get to the finals I, I think there's a ton of unknowns um, and I, I, I like. If I'm the Bucks, I'm not really panicking, right? I mean, I, I think you are obviously going to be concerned about the Nets no matter what. This probably isn't a step in the right direction if you're Milwaukee, but I, I don't think you look at this and say, well, this is, you know, the 2018 Warriors all over again. We're, we're all just playing for second place. And I think, uh, I think if you had, like, a Kevin Durant for MVP bet or any sort of a James Harden, like – you know, points per game or anything like that type of bet. I mean, you can kind of kiss it goodbye at this point as well. Um, Cause they're just going to kind of like, you're, I mean, can you picture Kevin Durant winning MVP with Kyrie and James Harden on his team? I, I mean, I Durant, I'm not fully out on, I think Harden Harden took himself out of the race as soon as he didn't well, show up to training camp. That was out. He wasn't but... in the MVP. He wasn't in the MVP race, but I mean, he was like the leader uh, if you were betting, like who's going to win the scoring title? Yeah, and stuff yeah, like that yeah. He was the heavy, heavy favorite for that. You know, I mean, I don't know. With Durant, I, I think Durant comes out of this looking the best, mostly because the other two guys involved just look so awful right now that he looks great by comparison. I don't know. I mean, in general, guys who you know accept another superstar or two onto their team generally do get knocked for it. You know, as soon as KD showed up to Golden State, Curry was just automatically out of the MVP race every year, even though he probably should have been in it. So, yeah, I mean, chances are that this probably does knock Durant out, but I don't know. I mean, if Kyrie continues to miss a bunch of time and, you know, maybe Harden is, is a little bit shaky getting integrated and, and KD's like the one constant and he's averaging 35 a game for a month straight. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's still possible. Is this a weird case where uh, the coach could win, like Steve Nash could win coach of the year because his team got another superstar that he now has to sort of navigate? Like, like if he navigates it so. successfully, people will be like, yeah. wow, I can't believe you pulled that off. Well, th- wasn't he the co-favorite coming into the year? I thought we talked about this. And that, I think that was basically the argument when it was just KD and Durant. It was like, man, if he can manage these two. And now it's I mean, now it's up to a whole nother level. All right, fellas. Thanks for hopping on. Uh, we just had two more games uh, postponed for Friday. Pistons, Wizards and Warrior Suns are postponed. So we got to hop off and take care of that. But <laughs> Uh, hopefully we'll get, we'll get to see Harden in a Nets uniform soon. I, I highly doubt that he plays as early as Saturday against the Magic. I mean, it's possible, but I think with COVID restrictions and whatnot, it, it takes a little bit more time for these guys to get antiquated or antiquated, acclimated. Um, so what that means is we, we could see Harden uh, in a Nets uniform for the first time on Monday at home against the Milwaukee Bucks. 